0: Welcome to the Journey Church podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now, enjoy the message. We're a series called "The Journey of Christmas." Uh, the journey—the word "journey" is defined as the act of traveling from one place to another. Every one of us in the room has taken a journey at some point in our life. Would you agree? Every one of us, multiple journeys a day, right? We go from one place to another. How many of you guys have routine journeys that you take every single day? Anybody? Right, you have routine journeys. like Maybe it's to work, or maybe it's to the favorite uh, uh, fast food restaurant you, you like going to, or maybe it's to the favorite convenience store that you like going to, but we have routine journeys that we take every single day, going from one place to another. Some of those journeys are great because they provide income for us. Amen. And then some of those journeys are not so great because they steal our income from us. Amen right? Like when you go to dinner. So I took uh, my son, my wife and I went on a dinner date last night and we took Caden with us on our dinner date last night to BJ's brew house. Okay. And have you ever been to BJ's brew house fan? No, nobody in here. Y'all need to get out more. Y'all need to take more journeys. Okay. But BJ brew house, it was really a a really nice night and, and it's very expensive night. So that was a journey that stole my money. Right. But, It's all good. I take a journey just about every single morning that I get up, depending on what time I get up, um, every single morning I get up, I take a journey. I get up uh, between four and five o'clock, I get in my car, I drive to the 7-Eleven that is now right around the corner from my house, I buy a Spike energy drink, I'm not gonna lie, I buy two Spike energy drinks, right? It'll be truthful. And I drink one in the morning and one at my lunch break during work. But I I grab that drink and 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 y'all gonna laugh at me. But a lot of times I go and like I'll just drive around the neighborhoods and I pray. Right. And then sometimes I go sit in parking lots and pray. That's not weird, is it? It just depends on what parking lot you're sitting in. Like if you're at the bank parking lot at like four o'clock in the morning, it's probably not the best parking lot to be in. But but I go hang out at different parking lots and just sit and talk to God and, and, and drink, my energy drink. And a lot of times we take journeys that are physical, right? Every one of us at some point in the day take a physical journey. But a lot of us, we take uh, journeys that are not so physical. They're more mental. And sometimes the mental journeys we, can, we take can be more rewarding or even more damaging than the physical journeys we take. Would you agree? Yes. They can be more rewarding or, or more damaging. To go on a journey is to go from one place to another. This is going to be a series around two people. Well, four people really, but two main people. A series around the story of Mary and and Joseph. A journey that they took not to Bethlehem, but a journey that they took to get them to Bethlehem. Does that make sense? Not the journey of going to Bethlehem, but the journey they took before they left to go to Bethlehem. It's a mental journey. A journey about perspective. A journey on truth, a journey about faith and how they respond. This is the the journey that we're going to spend the next two uh, days or two uh, services talking about. It's the act of traveling from one place to the next, a journey. So let's talk about Mary and Joseph's journey. We're going to read uh, over in Luke chapter one real quick. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you if you, you don't have your Bible, you can just look at the screen. It's right there on the screen as well. And uh, I've gotten so used to not reading it from my Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's somewhere in here. So if you're... Let's see if I can get it. Told you, technology, man. I'm so used to reading my Bible on my phone. Anybody else? Read your Bible on your phone? All right, I have it on my paper. All right, Luke chapter uh, 1. At verses 36 to 38. And this is what it says. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel. Uh, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named who? Mary. Come on, church, a virgin named who? Mary. Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you confused and disturbed Mary tried to think what the angel could mean verse 30 says don't be afraid Mary the angel told her for you have found favor with God in verse 31 it says and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him what Jesus Jesus. he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord your God will give him a throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can, I, how can this happen? For I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby will, uh, to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, he says, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never, what? Come on, church. For the word of God will never, what? Fail. Fail. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left her. I love this passage of scripture. I love all of it. That's why we just read it. It's so good. It's Christmas scripture. Right. It's about the story of Jesus, Mary uh, uh, becoming pregnant with the the Christ child. Right. And, And going on to to give birth to the Messiah. But I love this passage of scripture right here. Verses 28 through 30, particularly. It says Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And then verse 29 says confused and disturbed, confused and disturbed. When was the last time you were confused and disturbed? Do you remember? Uh You do. We remember these moments. She was confused and disturbed. Watch. And Mary tried to figure out what the angel could mean. He says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. This is grace on display. This is grace on display. Mary's a young woman, 14 to 16 years of age. She's in a small village in Galilee, a village called Nazareth. And this wasn't a, a great village. This actually was a village that was looked down upon by other Jews. If you came from Nazareth, you were looked down upon. Why was that? Well, because there was a Roman garrison uh, that was stationed there, or a Roman uh, a fort, or or a brigade, or a barracks that was stationed in Nazareth. And because Rome, the Roman uh, garrison, was stationed in Nazareth, uh, there was uh, the the community or the culture of Nazareth was was uh, poor, not poor in finances necessarily, but. The climate, the religious climate was poor. The morals were poor. The morale was poor. All these things were affected by Rome. And so the Jews who were uh, truly spiritual, the religious Jews, looked down upon people who came from Nazareth. See, Nazareth was the other side of the tracks. That's what Nazareth was. And here, God puts his grace on display And he shows up to a woman in a town despised on the other side of the track to give her some of the greatest news that she would ever receive, that she would bear the son of God. If you want to know more context about Nazareth, you you can go over to John 146. It actually was hard for people who were following Jesus or who were hearing about Jesus to accept Jesus because he was from Nazareth. In John 146, when they were excited, these guys had found Jesus and he t- goes on and, 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 and he, they're, they're, they're telling Philip about, we found the Messiah in verse uh, 46 of, of John 1. It says, "In Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. he said, Can anything good come from where? Nazareth. 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 Could anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. So Nathanael is sitting there, and he's like, There's no way in the world anything good can come from the, the, the town of Nazareth. Come and see, And I love this. I love this. It's even uh, reaffirmed with G- by Jesus in the next verse. Jesus even understands the, the cultural context here. For John chapter one verse 47, this is what he says. He says, "And as they approached, Jesus said, "Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Do you get what He was saying? He was saying there's nothing good. There's no good Jews that can come from Nazareth. And then when he shows up in the next verse, Jesus says, oh, look, a good man, a good Jew, a man of integrity. He was speaking to the cultural climate that existed at that point. But go back to verse 28. It says, the angel says to Mary, greetings, favored woman. Greetings, favored woman. In the New King James Version, it says uh, highly favored. Right. Highly favored woman. Th- this word, it looks like Chirito, but it's not Chirito. It's not. It's called thristio. Pretty sure that's not it either, but it's close. <laughs> and this is what it means. It means to pursue with grace, to encompass with favor. So you can read the scripture like this. Greetings, Mary. Grace has pursued you and you have been encompassed with favor. Grace has pursued you and you have been encompassed with favor, which then goes on to make sense. Now that you have context from the area that she came from and you have some context into the language that the angel was using, it makes sense how she replies right after that. It says that she was confused and disturbed confused and disturbed. Why? Because stuff like this doesn't happen to girls like her who grow up in Nazareth. You see, the the type of people the angels appear to, they're the priests. The type of people the angels appear to, they're the good religious Jews. The type of people that, that God shows favor to are the ones who are doing everything just right. And can I tell you, that's not how grace works. Grace doesn't just show up if you're the one doing everything just right. Grace doesn't show up if you're the, you're, you're the, the, the holiest of holy people. Grace shows up for the messiest of messy people. Grace shows up for the ones who are singled out in a town that everybody counts out on the other side of the track. That's what grace does. Grace chases you down. Grace pursues you. And so it flipped the script for this little girl, Mary, to have Gabriel appear to her and give her a message. She was confused and disturbed because things like that don't happen to people like her. I wonder how many of us have ever felt like that before. How many of us have ever felt like when God shows off in our lives, and you've seen it at some point, right? Everybody in the room could take just a moment and think for just a second, and you can recount a a moment where God has shown off in your life. A moment where you were alive when you were supposed to be dead. A moment where, where you were able to pay a bill that you had no money to pay. A moment where you were, you just had a promotion at work that you weren't expecting or a raise at work you weren't expecting or a moment where you were sick at one moment and you were healed the next moment. You have these, these moments, big and small, that you can come back to and see God showing off in. And then for some of us, we respond the same way that Mary responds. When God shows off, and shows how good he is, we, we respond confused and disturbed because, well, because we know us, don't we? Yes. We know us. We know, man, at times I, I don't really deserve that. Well, none of us really deserve it. It's the whole point of grace. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. Right? And so God shows up and he takes you to a place that's way above your pay grade. You ever found yourself in a spot where you're kind of scratching your head, wondering how you have the ears of the people you have the ears of? Why people are looking at you and saying, hey, you know, help us walk through this situation. I think it's incredible. It's incredible. I have an opportunity coming up. Going into the new year at my job. Y'all, y'all know that I work for a great company, right? That, that puts me under houses. I love it. It's great. And I'm under houses and I'm doing... I, I actually do like it. Not this week, because this week we were digging a sump pump and that stinks. But most, most weeks it's, it's kind of an enjoyable thing. I enjoy hanging out with the people that I hang out with. And, and moving into this year coming up... Uh, I met with the owner and the, the vice president and his son and and we got to talk and he said, man, he said, I see the value to, that you have for our company in a different way than just leading crews. He was like, I literally can see you being like a corporate pastor, a corporate chaplain for our company. Like literally just putting you in these places with these crews and just letting you be Jesus in these things. So I get to go work with people and be Jesus in those moments. I mean, how how do you get jobs like that? Like. How do you get a job where people just say, hey, I want you to come into my company and be Jesus to my people? Isn't that incredible? Way above my pay grade. Right? Way above my pay grade. And that's just God showing off in his grace. We all have those moments where he shows off and we go, wow, this is above our pay grade. Mary was pursued by grace, not for what she had done, but literally just the opposite. Literally just the opposite. She didn't do all the right things. As a matter of fact, you can even kind of say she, for what she hadn't done, she was still a virgin. She was the person God needed to use at that right moment. Right? The hindrance to receiving what God wants to do for us through grace is our willingness to receive. I want you to get that. It's our willingness to receive. That's what hinders us from moving forward with God. It's our willingness to receive. Hebrews four nine through eleven. Check it out. Hebrews four nine through eleven. It, it, the the writers of Hebrews is talk, talking about the Israelites, and he said that the one issue that they had over and over and over again was that they didn't enter into God's rest. So God removes them. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about last week during the, the table talk, right? We... Talked about God delivering Israel from Egypt. And he said, we're going to take you to a place, right? The promised land. You're going to inherit houses you didn't build. You're going to inherit land you didn't cultivate. You're going to inherit all these blessings. The land is yours. Now go and receive it. And what happened? They sent spies in. The spies came back. Ten said, there's no way in the world we can do it. Two did. They talked themselves out of receiving the very thing that God had already given them. What stopped them from receiving the promised land wasn't the giants in the land it was their willingness to receive the word God had given them. And that doesn't come by doing more. That's the the paradox to receiving. You you have to labor, but you don't labor to get more. You labor to not do more. That's a hard thing. You labor to not do more. I'm not advocating laziness. What I'm saying is, 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 is simply being god wants you to experience this very thing and our role is to say okay but we're so pre-programmed we're so programmed to think okay but what oh okay yeah okay i'll receive that but but what what are all the things that i need to do to make this a reality what are all the things I need to to make this reality? So over in Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it says this. It says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Verse 10, it says, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. In verse 11, it says, so let us do our best. Listen, let us do our best to enter the rest. Let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Why the troubles in the promised land? Because there were giants? Or because they refused to receive the very thing God had given them? Israel, sometimes their biggest blunders came not from It came uh, from not believing the words God had spoken to him. He declared to him, I've given you the promised land. But they were confused and disturbed because there were giants. When God is speaking for us, the best thing that we can do is speak in agreement with him. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 34, look back. Look what happens when the angel speaks to Mary in verse 31 it says and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him what Jesus. come on church what Jesus. there it is verse 32 and he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his ancestor david and he will reign over israel forever his kingdom will never end and mary responds in verse 34 but how can this happen i am a virgin now, I've heard people say things like, like she doubted, right? Mary was doubting how this happened. Now, I don't think Mary was doubting. I think Mary was inquisitive, right? Mary was curious. Not, she wasn't saying this from, like, how can this happen? That's impossible. She wasn't saying that. She was saying, how can this happen? Because I understand the little bit about biology that I know, and it requires two to tango, and I'm still a virgin. I haven't gotten married yet. How is this going to be possible? How? How? That's incredible. How? How? There's a difference between the way she responds and the way her uncle responded. The promises of God, I'm going to get to that in a second, the promises of God are always bigger than our ability to accomplish them, and they even seem impossible. In the moments of my life where I know God's really speaking to my heart to do something, He has always blessed you it is always, always so much bigger than my natural ability to accomplish it. God always calls us to a place where we have no choice but to rely on Him if we want to see those things accomplished. Amen. So, the promises are always bigger than the ability to accomplish them and And they even seem impossible. There's a a reason, and that reason is faith. The journey of God can be overwhelming, yet there's nothing more rewarding than seeing the thing that God has called you to come to pass. She was the wrong side of the track. She was removed from religious influence. Nazareth was so far away from Jerusalem, removed from religious influence, uh, going to give birth to the most anticipated religious figure of her time. Yet the journey doesn't come without questions. And there is no more rational question than the question that she asks. Would you agree? Yes. How is this going to be possible? The difference between what she said and what her uncle said earlier in Luke chapter 1. Her uncle Zachariah, this is Elizabeth's husband, visited by Gabriel. Gabriel brings some good news. They've been praying for a child, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so he tells him, he says, listen, Elizabeth's been barren for a really long time. She's going to conceive. She's going to give uh, birth to a child. And everybody is going to rejoice at the birth of this child. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And his response is a little bit different. It sounds the same. How? Mary, how? Mary, I'm still a virgin. Zacharias, how? I'm an old man and my wife is old. Sounds the same, but it's not. See, one spoken from inexperience and one spoken from experience. One is spoken from a place of, I've never done this before. How does that happen? And one says, No, 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 no. You don't understand. I've been married to this woman for 50 years. And we know what to do. And it isn't happening. How is that even going to happen? How is that even possible? And it goes on and so said, The angel causes zachariah to go mute until after John the Baptist is born. Verse 20 of Luke chapter 1, look what it says. It says, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until this child, until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Do do you know why Zacharias was made mute in this situation? Do you know why? It's, It's right there in the text. I'm going to make you unable to speak until after the child is born. Why? For my words will certainly be fulfilled at their proper time. In that situation, if Zechariah had been allowed to continue to talk, he would have talked himself right out of God's promise. Amen. He said, "I'm going to mute you. I'm going to knock you." You ever been knocked on mute? Growing up, you smart mouth your mom, and you're talking da 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 da, and she pops you, and all of a sudden da 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 da, you knocked on mute. Yeah, Zachariah was the angel Gabriel knocked him on mute. Da-da-da. Well, why? Because if you don't shut your mouth, this thing's not going to work the way it's supposed to work. My words will—my words. It says, "For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time." At the proper time. I'm not saying that you can't say anything negative, but what I am saying is that the story we tell ourselves and the story we tell others will determine the journey we go on. There is nobody who has more influence over your heart than you. Did you know that? And what you tell yourself. The loudest voice in your life is the one that goes off in your head nonstop. And what is that voice telling you? Is it talking yourself out of God's, plan for your life or is it talking you into God's plan for your life is it is it coming to a place that says I'm going to slow myself down and take time to receive and believe what it is that God has for me Zacharias was a religious man who served in the temple someone who should have gotten it right away but didn't this goes right back to this concept of grace there would probably, if you look at the story, the person who shouldn't have gotten it should have been Mary. She was in Nazareth, other side of the tracks, removed from, from Jerusalem, separated, had, had, had a dull religious community in her, in her village, and the person who should have got it was Zechariah, someone in Jerusalem who was in the temple, actively serving and doing ministry. And yet it's backwards. Don't you think, like, if I told you right now, watch this, if I told you, who am I talking about when I say Father of many nations? Church, y'all been in Sunday school. Who am I talking about? God. Yeah, it's close. Abraham. We knew that. Even if we'd been in Sunday school, just one moment, we, we, we know Father Abraham had many sons, many sons, Father Abraham, right? I want them, so are you. Let's go, praise the Lord. We know it. Father of many nations. Zechariah is serving in the temple, a, a devout Jew. The angel shows up and says, you guys are going to have a, ch- a child. And his response is like, man, I'm blessed to be in the same category as Abraham and Sarah. His response wasn't, I get to be like Abraham and Sarah. His response was, that's impossible. 50 years we've been doing it and nothing. I feel for Zachariah, though, because I've been there. And I've argued with God, and I've said, "Yeah, God, but I've done this and nothing, or or, or 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 I've been here and nothing." Life is not without its hardships; it's not without its troubles, but it's also not without your God. That's important to remember. See, for some of us, we need to go back before the promise. We need to go back before the promise. Before the promise. Before Mary's promise, Gabriel appeared to her and said to her what? Greetings, highly favored. Greetings, highly favored. Mary, you are highly favored. You are pursued by grace. Chris, you've been pursued by grace. Sarah's been pursued by grace. Grace. Right, Connie's been pursued by grace. Russ has been pursued by grace. Russ, Rob's been pursued by grace. We've been pursued by grace and I'm encompassed with favor. The next time that we look at a promise of God and we go, yeah, but it's so far outreached, go back before the promise. Highly favored. One who has been pursued by grace and encompassed with favor. This is your promise. Sometimes our choices take us on a journey and need of Christ but they also take us on a journey to receive Christ right if you go all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis I'm about to wrap up go back in the beginning of Genesis and, and, and God takes two people he places them in a garden right he takes Adam and Eve he places them in the garden and he tells them hey you know what? this garden is for you right you can eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and what knowledge of good and what come on wake up church knowledge of good and what evil hey, I'm oh that's so good so he said you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil right and, and so you watch what happens so she's been given a promise if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you're gonna die she's been given all of this she's got a promise right she has life at her hands and instead of embracing the life that god has given her she decides to listen to a snake, a snake who tells her a different story. Yep. A snake that tells her a different story, a story contrary to the story that God had given her, a, a, a story that says, no, 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 that's not how that's going to work out. And so she goes and she eats from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it's at that moment that guilt rushes her heart. It's at that moment that condemnation rushes her heart. It's at that moment that she makes herself an enemy with God in her mind, what Colossians says. In that moment, it's in that moment, that choice that takes her on a journey to need Christ. And I love it because she gets a lot of shade thrown her way, right? Like Eve is the one who reached out and if Eve hadn't given, you know, if Eve hadn't reached out and take the fruit from the tree, we wouldn't have been in this situation. I hear all that stuff all the time. But I, I love, and by the way, Adam's to blame. We'll talk about him next week a little bit, but he's really the one that gets to blame for this. But but I love this because you know, when she eats from the tree of knowledge and evil, the Bible says that God says, Your desire will be for your husband, right? And some translations say this that, that your desire will be to control your husband, but he'll rule over you. But the translations are are, are kind of weak because what it's saying is when it says your desire will be for your husband, what he's saying is you're going to live constantly trying to earn the approval of your husband. You're going to constantly live at a place of wanting to be good enough for your husband wanting to be good enough and you know what you watch that unfold throughout time and guys have treated women like second-class citizens and they treated women like property even in the time that mary is coming up as a, as a child she's the women are looked at as property in that situation and they're always trying to earn the favor of a man they're always trying to find value and worth from the man that's the result of sin that's the result of that first moment and She's constantly trying to find value. So you see this whole thing unwind. and She gets to blame for it. But I love God's story of redemption. Because you fast forward, and who does God appear to to announce to Christ? A woman. And what's the very first thing that he says to her in the encounter? Greetings, woman who has been pursued by grace. You are encompassed with favor. Before I tell you what I'm about to tell you, let me assure you of your value and your worth to your God. And so he assures her of her value and worth and gives her the promise. He redeemed that situation. Eve's decision led her on a journey in need of Christ, and Mary's decision. Led her on a journey to receive Christ. And her journey to receive Christ allowed her to become pregnant with the Christ, give birth to the Christ, which opened up our journey with Christ. Because she said yes. She received the, the promise that God had for her. Grace has pursued you. You are encompassed with favor. Look at her response. Luke chapter one, verse 37 and 38. For he says to her, for the word of God will never fail. Did not he say that as well to Zachariah after he had made him, after he knocked him on mute? He said, you're mute now because my words will not fail. And so here it is. He says to Mary, he says, the word of God will not fail. And her response says, I am the Lord's servant. Who's, who's is she? Whose is she? The Lord's. Highly favored, pursued by grace, encompassed by favor. And you know what she, she realized? She realized in that moment, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's. And when we come to a place where we recognize that I am the Lord's, receiving from him becomes a little bit easier. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I said, then the angel, the angel left her. You know what Mary said? Mary said, God, if you believe in me this much, then I'll take the risk and believe in you believing in me. That's a hard thing to do. It's really hard sometimes to believe in the God who believes in you because we know us. But there's no bigger fan of your life than God God has way more faith in you than you have in yourself way more faith you're pursued by grace you are encompassed by favor and when we come to understand that we can begin to take a journey with God a journey that brings us to a place to receive what Christ has for us it's a journey this is the journey to Christmas This is where it's at. So let me pray for you real quick. Let me encourage you. So you would bow your heads for just a second. A journey is to go from one place to another. Do you remember where you were at when you said yes to Jesus? Do you remember where you were at? Do you remember the moments that you were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into His marvelous light. You were taken on a journey. Do you remember that? I do. The journey with Christ, the journey of Christmas, is a journey of rest. It's one of receiving and agreeing with the promise of God. It's a journey of grace that pursues you and the favor that encompasses you. I think some of us, some of us in the room, man, we just need to take a moment, hit the reset button for our lives. We need to take the moment, just hit the reset button for our lives and just realize that, man, God has so much more in store for our lives than where we see ourselves currently and where we think we're going to end. And to get from here to there starts by realizing whose you are. You are the Lord's. And it starts by receiving who He says you are and pursued by grace encompassed compassed by favor. That's the starting point. That's the beginning of the journey. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now, Lord. I thank you, God, for moving in our hearts and speaking to us. Father, I thank you for the encouragement, God, the encouragement of your grace, your love, your mercy. Father, I just pray that God, our hearts would be just rekindled with the fire of your love, Lord. That we will see ourselves the way that you see us. That we can stretch ourselves to believe in the God who is believing in us. Father, we thank you. We love you. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen. Well, I bless you guys in Jesus' name.